we want to extract all of that capital, the 20% down payment, the renovations, the carrying costs, the closing costs, every nickel, ideally, if not close to every nickel, we want to extract through the power of that refinance by forcing that appreciation through the home. Hello, and welcome to Sink or Swim, a weekly podcast brought to you by RentSync, where we take a deep dive into the prop tech, multifamily, and rental housing industry. In each episode, we uncover the technologies and strategies used to help overcome operational challenges and increase the value of your multifamily investments. So let's get into our conversation today. Welcome back to Sink or Swim. I'm your host, Nicolina Savelli. And on this podcast, I chat with rental housing industry experts to learn how you can reach more renters, sign more leases, and maximize the value of your assets. And today, I have Adrian Pinozo, founder of Executive Properties Capital, who went from police officer to real estate entrepreneur. Thank you so much for joining me today, Adrian. Hey, awesome. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Well, you've got a pretty compelling story given your background in policing and then diving into the wonderful world of real estate. So I've done a little bit of research, a little background, and found out that after 21 years, you were able to leave the force before your retirement or a planned retirement and commit full-time to real estate. And that was just after your first 10 years of investing. Obviously, that's a tremendous accomplishment. Can you share just a little bit about how you got started in real estate investing and some of the key moves kind of you made to set your investments up for success? Yeah, for sure. So I started investing while I was a police officer. I, uh, I probably had about 15 years on the force at that time. And um, my mindset and what I wanted to achieve at that time was I was thinking, okay, you know, when I put in my 30 years as a police officer, I want to be able to retire, but still have some income coming in from the rent, maybe one or two rental properties. So essentially I could live the same lifestyle as, you know, not being on a pension. So my thought process was, okay, buy one or two rentals, retire after my 30 years and compensate my, my income with the, the rental properties. So long story short, I didn't make 30 years on the force. I only lasted 21 years, which I'm still proud of. It was a great career. I loved every, I loved every second of it, so to speak. But those two rental properties that I bought that kickstarted my career in investment properties, essentially after a decade turned into just shy of 70 homes now that we own and equivalent to about 350 units that we own predominantly across the GTA, but for the most part in the city of Hamilton. And obviously those investments are in joint venture partnership with other like-minded investors. And ultimately they allowed me to retire early. So I didn't have to you know, stay on the force for my 30 years per se. Financially, I was able to leave and retire early. And you know, as they say, start living life on my terms. So would you say it was those first few investments? What made you say, you know what, this is really, this is really taking off for us? Like this is working? Was it getting those partners involved or was it just seeing the growth of you just making the right moves out the gate and seeing those kind of take off really quickly without needing to do too much 
too much additional work on your behalf. Right. You know what? I think it was a bit of both. Like the first couple we bought, they were duplexes and it really wasn't that hard. One, to find good tenants. Two, to keep management of those two, three initial properties. And we started to uh, be comfortable with with the tenants, with, you know, essentially running a business and then building a bit of a reputation and name for ourselves, ultimately segueing into more of uh, joint venture partnerships. And it really, you know, it really, we really didn't start to scale our portfolio until we started to partner with like-minded investors, one, and two, obviously incorporating Partnerships with the Burr strategy really um, made things take off. I want to say in 2016, 2017, and that's when I left the force in 2017. And essentially, even though I was retired, I've never stopped working, but it really doesn't feel like work. It's been a lot of work, but fun work, different kind of work. You know, like I said, I make my own schedule. I live life on my terms. It's obviously providing financial freedom because not a lot of people would leave, you know, a stable career like police where you have the benefits, the pension, you know, the guaranteed income to be essentially self-employed and carry on the investing. So, yeah, to answer your question, 2017, through the power of the Burr and joint venture partnerships, we took it probably from 30 units, Satan. 40 units to now 350 units is really where the maximum growth happened within the last five, five-ish years. Wow. Yeah. And we'll talk about, we'll talk about the Burr, kind of uh, how you guys are doing that on your side. But first, I just, I do want to talk about just, you mentioned the Hamilton market. That's where you started. I am a proud Hamiltonian. I was born and raised there. And I just want to talk about this market a bit and what you've seen happen over the last 10 years and really the last few years. Where were your initial investments and where are you kind of seeing uh, growth in that market? And how are you kind of um, looking for new opportunities? Because Hamilton has exploded recently and things are becoming a little less uh, affordable for a lot of a lot of people. So investors like yourself, how are you finding those new opportunities? So, yeah, I've seen tremendous growth. Uh, I bought my first rental property in Hamilton 11 years ago. And it was a triplex. I still have it. Triplex, turnkey, fully renovated for 310000 nice. 11 years yeah. ago. Which is not even, you know, that's not cheap. That's still a... Yeah, again, that was, that, was, that was decent money for Hamilton and for, for what we were getting. I still have, you know, for example, I still have that property today. And it's probably worth bare minimum seven fifty, seven seventy. So List, listed, and then you could probably sell it for over a mil. But yeah, right now God knows what you could sell it for, right? Yeah, probably close to a mil anyway. But because the market, as you said, is crazy right now, so I've seen the market pretty much double in the last ten years, especially the last few years. It continues, you know, almost month to month, semi annually, like incredible, incredible growth. Prices as of late are through the roof and it's predominantly because inventory is so low, right? Like there is not a lot out there right now. So if you're a seller and you wanted to sell something, I 
I would say there's probably no better time if you wanted just to unload and cash in. There's probably no better time than now, given where the market is today. And touching a little bit on rents, you know, I think rents have really, really gone up a lot as well. When I started in Hamilton 11 years ago, you know, a two bedroom was probably, give or take, 11, 1200 a month. And now we're teeter tottering, our two bedrooms are 1600 a month. So there's been some pretty, pretty significant growth in the rental market as well. Which I feel is almost conservatively priced. Like I feel like you're you're pricing it in a very conservative way versus some of the things that I've seen come out at rental listings, you know, $2,500 for one bedroom in Hamilton. And people are, you know, you can't help but, but comment on where are you getting this price from? Where are you getting these rental rates set from? But the thing is that they can set it at that because there's such a low inventory in the market. Now, obviously, in secondary markets, they're almost like hitting that Toronto rental rate. Uh, like it's, it's getting very close to some of the rentals in Toronto. You know, uh, my friends who live there are paying $2,500. And then I've got friends in Hamilton who are paying the exact same thing. And they've got more space. So it's like, how are you kind of ensuring that your renters are getting the best value and not feeling they're being taken advantage of? Obviously, you've, you've purchased your properties a little bit earlier on. You're probably not covering a mortgage of $800,000 per property. You don't have to raise the rents incredibly high. But what are you doing to kind of make sure that people are seeing the value and sticking around? So when we're taking on new properties, we're still buying properties, you know, right now still, but a lot of our most, if not all of our properties, we kind of go overboard or a little more on the higher end to give the people the value they need, the tenants, the value they need. Like, I, you know, you, we're putting in quartz countertops, stainless steel appliances, the nice, you know, vinyl flooring, porcelain tiles. We're really dressing them up. So to give the, that tenant the peace of mind that they're getting something they're paying for as opposed to something that's run down and, and really, really dated and, and whatnot and still asking for, you know, $1,800 a month for a two bedroom that's, you know, 40 years old. So we really go above and beyond, in my opinion, with the way we're finishing our units and, and the quality that we're presenting to the tenants to keep them happy. Which has probably benefited you in the last few years as people have migrated from the Toronto GTA area and come into secondary markets looking for that, you know, high quality new finishes. And those are what they're looking for. That's what they're getting when they're they're seeing it in the city. And so they want the same kind of atmosphere and elements and, and finishes that they would get there, where I find that a lot of Toronto Hamilton rentals maybe haven't gone through those renovations. There's not that many on the market that are really putting a lot of high-end finishings to them because they really haven't had to or just the, the landlords aren't coming this way. So it's good to know that, that that's what you're doing and making sure that people are paying for, for valuable, valuable fixtures and finishings and things like that and making sure it's done right, which I'm sure means that people are staying because they don't want to move out of your properties and they yeah, because that's really, the best they're going to get. They're they're done up, they're clean, they're new, they're modern. Yeah. And um, like I said, all the bells and whistles are there for sure. 
And how are you managing the properties? I know you have your own, your, you know, you've got your own property management company. How are you uh, going about that? Do you have them in house? Like, how, do you have property it's managers in house? Yeah. Yes. Okay. It's yeah. All in house, and we have a full property management company that covers everything from leasing all the way to you know twenty four seven coverage after hours for tenant emergencies, whatever the case may be. It's all managed in-house. You know, when I first started and I was still a police officer, I did it all on my own. And as I continued to grow and ultimately continue to build a portfolio and units and units and units, we then decided, hey, it just makes most sense to keep it in-house. And we started our property management company as a result of that. Essentially, the focus, the vision was I wanted to create like a Costco where you come in the front door, you don't have to go to seven grocery stores to go shopping. You go to Costco and you can pretty much get almost everything there. And that was my mindset too, where, you know, you come in our front door, obviously I'm a licensed realtor as well, but above and beyond that, and I think more importantly is the experience I bring to the table as an investor. And we have our in-house construction company. We have our in-house property management company, snow removal, grass cutting, you name it, you know, it's all under one roof, essentially giving that potential partner, joint venture partner, client, the Costco effect as you right. Makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Perfect. So during COVID or maybe even outside of COVID, have you ever experienced any tenant delinquency? And if so, how have you kind of handled that? Because I know that was a big concern at the beginning of COVID that there would be be some issues there. We experienced very, 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 I think we were at a 1% delinquency out of all of our units. And it was legit. You know, some of our young professionals are in the industry of restaurant or gyms, you know, they're personal trainers and whatnot. And legitimately, you know, they lost their job there and had some, some issues so on and so forth, even though there was serve or whatnot. But yeah, you know, they, they had difficulty, which was legitimate. And we worked with them and put them on a payment plan to uh, keep them up to, up to par, so to speak. People that just flat out don't want to pay and stop paying. We don't really have, we haven't had any of that. If, if it was, it was really legitimately affected because of COVID. Okay. Good. Yeah, that's good to hear. I think that that has been the consensus. I think there was a lot of doom and gloom at first that that things were just going to fall apart and no one was going to be able to pay. But by the sounds of it, it was it teetered around like for on the worst end of it was like 5%. But for the most part, it was around 2% for most most buildings, most landlords. So it's good to hear that, you know, the smaller landlords are also saw the same kind of effect as well, because that was the big concern that the smaller landlords that had, you know, maybe three properties or four properties that they would be in a little bit of a, a pickle with with having, you know, one tenant default. So yeah. Now let's talk about your system for real estate investing, buy, renovate, and refinance. Can you walk me through kind of a typical deal? What are this, the red flags that this one isn't for me or on the flip side, you know, this is the right deal. This is going to make me money. Can you kind of walk me through that? Are you looking to connect with more renters in Quebec and fill units fast? When you syndicate your properties with RentSync, you'll have free access to some of the most popular rental listing sites in the province, including Louet.ca and Logique Quebec. 
Plus, we've upgraded our autoresponder tool so you can instantly translate your emails in French to better engage with all your prospects. If you're currently a RentSync client, your account manager can help you get set up. Or if you're looking for more information, visit rentsync.com forward slash Quebec dash rental dash listings. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, for sure. So every step of the Burr strategy is super important, right? You want to get the buy right. You want to get the renovated piece right and stick to a budget and, you know, make sure you have the right contractors in place, so on and so forth. The refinance, some rent before refinance, it really doesn't matter, but I say buy, renovate, refinance. Who's which bank are you using? And do you how solid are your numbers as far as hey, you projected this property was going to come in at this value? Have you worked with these appraisers before? You know, these are things that are important because one appraiser to the next appraiser could be a forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollar spread. And it's happened to us. And I've been there and had that experience. And then obviously the rent portion. Are you going to be able to get the rents you're forecasting? you know, when this project started with all the improvements you made. So every step of the burr is super important because the goal of the burr is, you know, you want to be all out or very close to being all out. So we want to extract all of that capital, the 20% down payment, the renovations, the carrying costs, the closing costs, every nickel, ideally, if not close to every nickel, We want to extract through the power of that refinance by forcing that appreciation through the home. So getting every step right and having your numbers solid is so important to the very, very last step to the back end to, you know, getting that capital out. So, you know, we've probably taken part in our whole career over 50 burrs with J joint venture partners and, you know, not to sound pompous or all, but we have it down to a science essentially. Um, and we are very, very, very confident when we project our numbers. And it's all as investors, as you know, it's all about the numbers, right? So, yeah. So obviously, since you're renovating a number of properties, not everyone has the means to be able to say, yes, I can, I can take that work on, you know, I've got the right people for that. How have you found the right contacts along the way? You know, how have you kind of aligned with the right people? And have you ever had to let a contractor go for, you know, not doing the work that you were projecting? Yeah. So yes, I've let several contractors go. Everybody has a bad story about a contractor, right? It's it's just the way the world works. But then we brought in our own in-house construction company. And again, back to the Costco effect, we now control that. And we have people that work strictly for us. And having that is peace of mind, not only for me, but it's also peace of mind for my uh, joint venture partners, because we're not going on to GG just hiring a fly-by-night kind of contractor that's going to show up, not show up, take our money, this, this, that, the other. We're hiring, you know, people that work strictly for us and we can control budgets, timelines, so on and so forth. That's how we do that. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, I'll just pivot a little bit on that conversation. The Obviously, we've talked about the price of real estate the last two, two to five years. People who have over 200 doors under their belt, maybe it's not 
too difficult to continue investing in major markets and feeling confident about the deal size. Do you think we're going to see things plateau over the next year? I mean, no one really knows. No one has a crystal ball. And if so, has that influenced where you're investing or looking to invest in the future? I think it'll plateau. I think, again, not having a crystal ball. (laughs) Yeah. I think it'll plateau. We still make the numbers work in the GTA. Like we don't have to go out of the GTA. We still make the numbers work here in Hamilton. And we're very successful here in the GTA. So, you know, our our major market centers are Hamilton, Niagara, and St. Catharines, Brantford, our market centers that we're expanding to and will play in, so to speak. But you know, quite quite frankly, I can still we can still make the numbers work very very well here in Hamilton, even though purchase prices are are obviously higher than they were last year or two years ago. Above and beyond that, though, refinance values go up exactly. As well. So it's all exactly. kind of relative. Yep. As long as you you've got the the equity there, then why not? Yeah. Yeah. So we're still we can still make the numbers work here. Now let's talk about leasing and property management. With as many doors as you have comes a lot of maintenance and responsibility and cost of labor, finding laborers. Uh, As you mentioned, it's all in-house. How do you go about maintaining your properties regularly and keeping on budget? I know that there's been a labor shortage. So has that been an issue for you guys at all, Um, kind of making sure that people are are there and and ready to go and, and, and not overextending your costs of labor? For our construction and our burrs, it's it's been a challenge to bring on, like we're busy and we're trying to bring on more and more carpenters and help to keep up with the influx. That's been a challenge during COVID. A lot of people were taking advantage of the CERB and didn't really want to work. And then just having, you know, challenging, bringing on good quality tradesmen in our construction has been a bit of a challenge. I mean, we got a great team, but we're always looking to expand, but it's just been a challenge. The construction industry is is so busy right now. It's like everybody's involved in some kind of renovation. Right. Uh, And that's a common conversation that I'm having with the majority. management, though, no. We have our in-house staff and they've been uh, great and loyal. So, no, we don't have any, we haven't experienced any issues with respect to that and shortage of help on that. It's more on the renovation side when we're involved in the burrs. To bring on extra help has been somewhat totally. Yeah, that seems to be a trend throughout the majority of developers that I've I've spoken to that it's just the the construction is the hardest thing and and it makes sense. People were delayed for about, you know, close to a year and starting projects and then everything kind of started back up at the same time. And yeah, so that it makes sense trying to trying to find the right the right people for those jobs. And you can't just like you said, you can't just pick anybody. You, you got to make sure that you trust the people that you're working with on those renovations. So kind of have to make sure that the right people with the credentials that you that you want to work with to make sure it's done right or else you have to do it all over again, which is just a, wa- a waste of money. So do you have any big projects on the horizon or any deals that you're kind of hoping to do or, or looking forward to doing in the, in yeah, the next? Yeah, we just went firm on an off-market deal. We bought 13 townhouses on, oh, the, wow. Hamilton, on the Hamilton Mountain, a 13-unit townhouse complex, 13 three-bedroom, two-bath townhouse, 1,300 square feet, 13 of them in a row. So that's going to be a massive project. And the beauty of that project was 
nine out of the 13 came vacant. Oh, wow. Okay. So we can start renovations right away. They all need work, obviously. There's a value add there, which is what we want. But yeah, nine out of the 13 are vacant, so we can start our rentals right away. So major, huge project. But yeah, that's definitely on the horizon. Um, we close at the end of the month. So we're looking forward to getting that started. That'll probably be one of our biggest renovation projects that will be happening simultaneous throughout. Well, to start with the nine vacant, and then we have, we'll be working on the other four as well once the tenants move on their way. Now, clearly you understand personal branding and marketing. You seem to be well-versed in that. You have a website, you appear on podcasts. How are you leveraging and marketing advertising for your actual properties? How are you consistently filling vacancies and marketing your properties today? And to add to that, how has that changed like 10, from 10 years ago? We get a lot of great leads from Facebook Marketplace. Right. It seems to be very, very, very popular right now. Do the PadMapper, Kijiji, WalkScore. We do all of those platforms as well. But a lot of good quality leads at the moment seem to be coming from Facebook Marketplace. Filling vacancies hasn't been a, a huge concern of yours, obviously, right now. No, they go quick. They go <laughs> yeah, quick. I mean, that's fair. Beautiful units. They're brand new. They got the new car smell. They don't last very long at all. So would you say that the key then is really just getting that high quality content and making sure that your listings have that content in that so people are, renters are attracted? Yeah. Especially for the clientele. Again, we're focusing on the young professionals. Okay. So that's our bread and butter. And especially for that, yeah, they will pay good rent and they will pay above market rents, but you have to give them something to pay for and they will respect that. Is there any uh, tips that you have for like posting rental listings that you you think that has really helped to make that happen? Well, again, I used to be so hands-on with all that. <laughs> so you've got other we, people doing that for yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really get involved in that anymore. I obviously don't show my own apartments. I don't post. We have everybody in place under that Costco umbrella that does it all for me. Yeah. How are you hiring for your leasing agents and, and kind of Indeed? Okay. So you're hiring through Indeed. And before I feel like kind of leasing, being a leasing agent wasn't like a full-time kind of job. It was something that you did, like you said, as a landlord, you could be your own leasing agent. But now it seems like there's an actual career in it. Are you noticing that at all? Like with the people that you're hiring that this is their full-time job, they're making good money from it. They're yeah. actually, yeah, succeeding. Yeah, and I think a lot of them too have aspirations to get into real estate, even as an agent, because, you know, leasing apartments is kind of similar. Like there's a, there's a whole, I guess, you know, real estate angle to it as well. So it's almost like a stepping stone. You know, you're setting your appointments, you're showing the apartments, you're, then you're doing your background checks on the tenants. So there is a kind of a component in there of real estate that you could use as a stepping stone to get, you know, after your license to get some experience. And now back to the 10 years ago, how you were filling vacancies. Obviously, things have, have kind of ballooned and skyrocketed. Was it a lot harder back then? I, I was a lot younger back then, so I don't remember as much. You and me both were a lot younger back yeah, then. We're, yeah, exactly. Right? We were uh, 10 years ago. That's, that's a decade of, of, I guess, our lives. But it was easy then. And it was easy then, too. It was easy then, but then it was all Kijiji. It was just Kijiji, Kijiji, you know. 
all day long. Obviously, now we have a lot more options than just Kijiji. So again, our units don't last long. You know, if they're on, if they're up for two weeks and they've gone through two or three days of showing, they're gone. Right. They're gone. Yeah, that's fair. So. <laughs> All right. Well, Adrian, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your experiences. And, and I think that that's an incredible opportunity with the townhouses. I'm looking forward to kind of doing a little drive by seeing what's what's yeah, going on I'll up there. Yeah, I'll coffee and uh, yeah. and I'll give you a tour. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. And then obviously, finally, my last question to you is if anyone is looking to connect with you, your company, where can they find you? Yeah, so we're all over, like I mentioned, social media, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Just put in my name if you want, Adrian. My last name is P-A-N-N-O-Z-O. Website, www.investwithepc.com. And or shoot me an email, adrian at investwithepc.com. Very easy to get a hold of me. And then, yeah, even if I can give you some advice or help you out or have a digital coffee, let's do it. Well, thank you again for sharing all your knowledge with us and taking the time to join me on this episode of Sink or Swim. And until next time, everyone, keep swimming. You've reached the end of another episode of Sink or Swim. Make sure to visit us at rensink.com forward slash podcast to access show notes, key takeaways, and where you can sign up to our newsletter to receive free bonus content. If you found value in this show, please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thanks for listening.